Welcome to another new episode of Doctrine and Doxology. I am still, as far as you know, Skylar Spradlin, still with, as far as I know, the notorious Lorenzo Jones. It's not Lorenzo. In Espanol? Yeah, Lorenzo. Larry? Larry Jones. Yeah, my name is Larry Jones. For us, uh, Okies. speaking Oki, yeah. Oki's opposite of Muskogee. It's good to be here. Because we're on the opposite side of Muskogee, of the state. Of the state. We're on this side of 35. Well, yeah, okay, That's that was pointless. And we're on this side of 40. So there you go. We're on a side of everything, for sure. Uh, speaking of sides, this podcast has nothing to do with that. So we've been walking through systematic theology, and yes, we have. We have covered a lot of things, this, yes, that, and the other. But we embark today on a new journey, crossing a new horizon. Right? <laughs> I guess so. Well, I mean, we're we're shifting sections, right? We are shifting sections, yes. Now we are conversing about the church. You sounded like some sports broadcaster there. Who is that? Uh, I don't know. Sounds like the guy that introduces the, the, the band, band at halftime. At Southwestern. The pride of the great Southwest. Pride of the great Southwest. Well, that's the former guy. Yeah. The other guy tried this guy tries to do it too, but we're talking about the church. The church, which the big theological term for that is... The sh- church. No, it should be there. What's about the ecclesia or something like ecclesiology. that? Ecclesiology. That's the discipline. It's not there. Well, it should be, and it's somewhere in that chapter, I'm sure of it. Is that like Latin or Greek or just a made-up name that... Uh, you scholarly people use? Well, its root is in the Greek. Ecclesia? Mm-hmm. That one? Yeah. Yeah, I read that word a couple times. Anyways, we've marched through the attributes of God. We've marched through salvation. We've marched through the person of Christ, right? The person and work yeah, and offices of Christ, Christ and union uh, with Christ. Glorification. Yep, yep, yep. And so now we're coming into the section of the church, ecclesiology, and I just really think this is super, super important and doesn't get the adequate amount of attention that it should. We are living in the age of the church. That's We're the people of the church. That's who we are. And so we need to know what the church is, Yes. yes. what its nature is, how it's yes. comprised, how it operates, what its purposes are, all the things. We need to know all the things. And I'm afraid... So we're covering all the things today? Well, I don't think so today. <laughs> but would you say with me that you feel like it is um, lacking in the average Christian understanding or study? Yes, I would say it is something that the average Christian takes for granted. But they it's haven't... It's just a place they go on Sunday, and it's called the church. And they haven't thought through... All that the Bible has to say about the church. You are correct in that. 
Do you think that's also true for pastors? Most pastors. Do you think most pastors Not as much as have the a church people? So you you do think most pastors have a sound biblical, solid working understanding of the church, a robust ecclesiology. I don't know about robust, <laughs> but well, I but I would say most of pa- most pastors I know and have worked with dealt with closely they got a pretty good idea of the church they love the church but yeah i i don't know i'm I'm just saying don't you think we should well jesus did die for the church and the new testament is written to the church and way more than half addresses churchy type things yeah so what was the name of the first church church there you go i um you're correct that is the right answer i think this is where uh in in our society and context where we have seen culture influence our thinking we have equated christianity and our personal faith with too much of an individualistic mindset. Okay. It is your personal faith, and it is individual to you, yeah, and yet, yep, yep. and yet, it's not. It's it's corporate. It's it ties you to a group of people. You well, get yeah. adopted into a family by God. Yeah, and so nonetheless, I'm just saying. I grew up with the the concept or the idea of a personal individual faith far outweighing the discussions of a corporate community kind of faith in the church. Okay. So So, you're saying one is more important than the other. I'm saying in my experience, and I think this comes from our individualistic society, that we have been so pushed and ingrained and trained to view our Christian faith as our individual personal faith that only affects my little bubble right here. And we have not done a great job in recent decades of highlighting how actually your personal Christian faith is a community faith. It drives you to a group of people. Correct. It kind of goes along with uh, the scriptures that talk about the church is one body with many members and we all work together for a single purpose of that purpose being furthering the kingdom of God. First Corinthians 12. Yeah, I can't give you the numbers. I just say what it says. First Corinthians 12. Yeah, it's a big metaphor. It's a big uh, text in dealing with how, how the church should view herself and relate to herself. Right. And I'm just wanting to, I guess, stress the point that Christians need to realize one of the expressions of genuine faith, according to First John, is love for the people of God. And the yes. way the Bible describes love for the people of God is commitment to the people of God. And that doesn't just mean a general love for, for people. It means expressed in what they were doing in the New Testament, a localized congregation and church. Yes. People where you can actually... Helping each other. Do the one another's together. Having... Lord's Supper together, 
First uh, Peter four, what we just covered the last few weeks. You love one another. You're hospitable to one another. You care for one another. Yes. You serve one another. Yes. All these one another passages in the New Testament, they're done in the context of the local church. Right. But you still have to have the personal relationship. No doubt about that. Right. But it doesn't stay personal. Yeah, it does. It doesn't. It becomes a corporate issue. Yeah, you're meant to share it and you're meant to talk about it. And fellowship and you're with to other like minded yeah. people. You're meant to live it with others. Yeah, I think that's a problem in our society today is. Uh, a lot of people say, well, I can be a Christian and not even attend a church. Yeah. And, you know, you might be able to. Uh, chances are you won't grow very much because all your growth is dependent upon you. You don't have the aid of brothers and sisters who can pray for you and nurture you. And uh, you can sit, you, you're not sitting under the teaching of God's word. Yeah. I mean, I think you can be a Christian and not not attend a church, but I think that is very rare in our context. It would make, it, would makes, it makes me doubt, just, are you truly saved if you yeah. have no desire to want to be a member of a church body? Yeah. Uh, before we go further, we should probably define church because we're tossing out we just kind of ran right into it and tossed out a bunch of terms yep yep that we are assuming people understand like local church and why we're making the distinction between church and local church that's i mean that's my first thought of defining okay what we mean by local church is distinct from corporate church Universal church. Universal church. Invisible church. I was almost said that. Yeah, you said invisible earlier today. I said invisible earlier. Universal, invisible, those are both fine. Um, that's, the, that's the grand universal gathering of all of God's people, past, present, and future. Well, the, there's that word that you... I, I can't say it. Ecclesia? Something like that. Yeah. And it depends where you're from. Ecclesia, Ecclesia, yeah, whatever you want to say. Well, yeah, this book had mentioned that even in the Old Testament, anytime the church, every anytime the people gathered, the Septuagint and the Greek translations were used that word. Yeah, Ecclesi- Ecclesia. If I did said it wrong, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, so even in the Old Testament, when God called a holy convocation where he gathered all the people together that gathering was called an ecclesia yeah so, so we had we had church in the old testament well yeah so there's the universal church comprised of all christians everywhere we're bound together in this great family yeah. of god yes but the primary reference in the scriptures is to these local congregations and that word means assembly to assemble that, that's its most yep. basic yep. understanding and um i believe even in the new testament it has even political kingdom kind of undertones matthew 16 and matthew 18 it's it's got this uh, purposeful political assembly of people so we find it used in different places i think it's the same word used when paul starts that right in ephesus 
and they refer to the assembly of the people. It's the same word. Paul starts a riot in Ephesus. Wasn't it in Ephesus? His preaching, the the. Uh, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Artemis is it Artemis that that? Uh, yeah, he sounds familiar. Yeah, and Jason was there, and some other yeah, Christians that they all in front of the city. They beat up somebody, and yeah. they didn't yeah. like that. And. Anyways, I think it's the same word there. And so the most basic sense of a church is assembled. And this is correct, where we begin correct. to see the formulation of local churches. But Because you have to be able to assemble. Yeah, and you assemble for a purpose. Yeah. I mean, other than... You desire to be with other people who are like-minded. I mean, I desire to be with other Christians. I think that God puts that in us when we become His. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's definitely a reason that we should assemble. Fellowship could be a, a reason. To be taught and trained could be a reason. Well, Hebrews 10 tells us a reason. Do not neglect to meet with one another. Encouraging one another. Yeah. And even more so as the day draws near. Well, another good reason is to evangelize the world. Right. You you do better as a force of many than the force of one. Yeah, I think one of the greatest ways to display the power and the glory and the beauty of the gospel is through a healthy, loving, local assembly of Christians. Right. That right. assemble regularly and meet together and commit together regularly around the same things. That's a church. Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. So we're we're making this distinction between the universal church where, technically speaking, we're brothers and sisters with Christians across a world we've never met. Right. But when right. The, the majority of the New Testament references deal with these local assembly congregations where we can actually express our membership in the universal church, that we belong to the family of God, and that's expressed uh, tangibly by belonging to a local congregation of God's people. And yes, I think does. understanding that distinction is important for our the rest of our discussion. That's what we're re- referring to, the local... The local body. Local body. Yeah, because uh, if you look back through the New Testament, you can see all the letters that Paul wrote were to the local body, the local church in that town. Yeah. The local church in this town over here. Yeah. Uh, and I think the picture to me is people living life together, enjoying God, enjoying each other, uh, sharing the gospel with those who will listen. And uh, people look at that and they realize their need for God and they want to be a part of that. Yeah. So they they try to attach themselves to that local group. Well, I think I think the gospel shows itself so powerful when I, a diverse group of people even with their struggles and differences and disagreements can still genuinely love each other. Absolutely. And, and be unified together. What I mean, what explains that? this supernatural kind of sense of love and commitment, even in the midst of differences. What sure. explains that except for the commonality of Christ, something taking, yeah, something taking place in our hearts. It's different than the rotary club or the 
Kiwanis right, Club or right. whatever else. Well, there's a brotherhood or a kinship yeah. that we experience with if if we're traveling a great distance from home and we run into another believer, we automatically have a kinship. Yeah. He's now my brother. Yeah. I'm his brother. So we have that relationship. Yeah, and I, I think it's important to denote here also when we're talking about these relationships, we're extending them past just Sunday morning. Yes, absolutely. We're in each other's lives regularly, or we should be. That doesn't mean I'm in everybody's life within our church. But I'm in several people's lives, and they're in my life. And several other people are in each other's lives over there, and and there's this kind of intermingling and intertwining as our as our relationships overlap. And sure. There, there's yeah. uh, when So I guess what I'm saying is there's a major difference between attendance and involvement. And we're talking more about involvement beyond even Sunday mornings. Right. Yeah, I don't think God intended for us just to attend and yeah. not be involved. Yeah. He wants us to be involved in the church well, uh, so we can work together. We're a, we have an intricate ability that no one else in our church may have. Yeah. And so we can uh, make our body stronger because we're a part of it. And that's going back to the expressions that the scriptures use and all of these relational commands we have to one another. Um, those don't just happen on a Sunday morning, one hour right. a week right. kind of thing. Uh, you don't just serve each other on Sunday morning. You serve each other all week long. So sure. if, uh, if a brother or sister has a problem or I've got a problem, we call each other, pray for each other, try to meet physical needs, all those sorts of things. That's right. part of being in the church together and doing things in the community you can uh, like we did today we could we all gathered together at the bcm and we fed college students yeah this, this was noonday as a yeah as a portion of our church yeah as a portion of our church we gathered together provided food for college students just to show the love of christ yeah hopefully uh they don't have a the love of Christ in their lives, they can uh, see that and desire it. Or see the warmth between us or the, yeah, again, union that we have. Back to what we talked about, I think, last week. Our union with Christ often gets expressed in our union with each other. Yes, it does. Common Savior, common Lord, yep. common salvation. In, in Ephesians, Paul says, one faith, one Lord, one baptism. Right. One God and Father of us all. So you can go to a conference with a bunch of other people from a bunch of other local bodies and you become a new body. You're a body mm, there. Kind of. Well, it's not a, uh, a, this is my. You're not doing the ordinances together. No, you're, you're not, not doing those. You're not committing and membership together. But you are gathering together and learning together or worshiping together, that kind of thing. I do find it interesting that when you go to Christian conferences, there's this sense of feeling like, even with all these people, I don't know, a little bit of like being at home. Uh, there's this kind yeah. of comfort and peace and sense of belonging there. Right. That just comes because the Spirit has bound us all together. Right, and there's a lot of people who... Like if they host the event, uh, their church hosts the event, you'll see a lot of 
of the people in that local church just expressing love and concern for you and how can I help you and yeah uh, let me give you directions over here yeah yeah there's just a lot of outpouring of love uh, that they do share well I'm excited to jump into this section uh, because I, I again as I started I think it's so so important that we understand it um, it's the way that God has built and framed the whole new covenant and that's where we live we are new covenant people on this side of the cross and this side of the resurrection and right before the return of Christ and God has us living in the age of the church and so to understand that is so important to our daily Christian living um, I'm excited to to jump into this topic yeah they they asked are asking a question here and I'm looking at it as you speak and it was um, when you think of the church and all the individual fellowship of all true believers throughout all time, how does it affect the way you think of yourself as an individual Christian? How does it make you think of yourself as an individual Christian? When I think about the church, what local or all throughout time? Throughout time and, and local. I, I kind of put that in my mind as I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. He is my my primary, you know, that I am a believer in him. But I'm also a believer with all other believers around the world. But also I'm a believer in an individual church that where we can actually put the uh, rubber to the road, so to speak. Well, Hebrews 11, we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Yes, we are. We belong to each other. Yes, we do. Through Christ and... Uh, that's an interesting question. It's kind of like, it's almost like God adopts us into his family. Well, it is like God adopts us into his family because that's what he does. Not almost. Not almost. It is like God adopts us into his family. Yes. And then God also apportions us to a church. Apportion may be a wrong word. He, he sends us to a church to where we can worship corporately. Well, like any any parent, he wants his children to be getting along and serving yes, each yes. other and bearing up the name that they now have. And that's part of, yeah, that's part of this whole relational dynamic of Christianity. So, um, yeah, that's my whole point right now, I think, today is, hey, your faith is personal, but relational, too. Okay. Drives you to a relationship with God and from that point with each other, other Christians. So would that be your definition of a true church? No, that's not my definition. I'm just saying. Would that be a a part of a true church? Well, yeah. Where you, you know, love God, worship Him, love others, worship with them, serve each other. Uh, walk with each other for a common goal of sharing the gospel. Yeah. I'm just kind of throwing that's, stuff out there. That's not how I would define it, but, I mean, my point is just, if you have personal faith, you'll also have relational faith that binds you to other Christians. Yep. And that's where the church begins, although I wouldn't say that's where it is de- defined necessarily. Okay. Yeah, I just kind of, because it's a it's a big picture, yeah. 
it's it's a big chipper picture <laughs> picture of a corporate church an individual church and then it's a futuristic picture also of what it'll be like when we are uh with the yeah. lord in heaven yeah how we will worship together from every tribe uh, nation and language we will all be there worshiping god as one unified body yeah and it's just a beautiful picture well, like I said, I look forward to getting into it, uh, and I hope it's going to be a blessing to others um, as they listen in also. Uh, as always, you can find out more information about us at DoctrineDoxology.com. Uh, there you can find past episodes and uh, follow along as we walk through just kind of brief snapshots of systematic theology of the foundational doctrines and teachings of the Christian faith. And our hope is that as we understand these doctrines, they will lead to doxology, worship. They will yeah, yeah. Uh, increase our adoration of God so and our affections for Christ. So that's the goal. We would love to hear from you. On that website, you can reach out to us. You can also find all of our social media links. Again, that's doctrinedoxology.com. Uh, check it out. Check it out. Okay. Well, my pastor's gone to sleep over in the corner, so let me pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your church. We thank you for inviting us in to your family. Help us to walk with you and help us to walk in unity. Help us, our churches, to be unified for the purpose of uh, taking care of each other, worshiping you, and taking care of the lost, sharing the gospel with them. Uh, Help us to do all things for your glory. Help us to uh, uh, be pictures of God that that people need to see so that they can come to you and turn to you for salvation. We love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.